Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. I'm your host, Brother Vinnie Fitzgerald, and today we're going to delve into the Bible to bring you insight from God's Word that will help you to grow and to develop into spiritual maturity. These lessons are designed to help guide you and strengthen you in your relationship with the Lord. Whether you've never opened a Bible or have read it cover to cover, this podcast will inform and uplift you. Our purpose is not only for you to know and to understand the King's Word, but for you to live it out in your day-to-day life. Philippians 4 and 9 tells us, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Today, our topic is going to be battling in the spirit. Let's begin today in Isaiah chapter 37. In Isaiah chapter 37, beginning in the first verse, it says, And it came to pass, when King Hezekiah heard it, that he rent his clothes, and covered himself with sackcloth, and went into the house of the Lord. And he said, Eliakim, who was over the household, and Shebna the scribe, and the elders of the priests covered with sackcloth, unto Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos. And they said unto him, Thus saith Hezekiah, This day is a day of trouble, and of rebuke, and of blasphemy. For the children are come to the birth, and there is not strength to bring forth. And may be the Lord thy God will hear the words of Rapshika, whom the king of Assyria, his master, have sent to reproach the living God, and will reprove the words which the Lord thy God have heard. Wherefore lift up thy prayer for the remnant that is left. So the servants of king Hezekiah came to Isaiah, and Isaiah said unto them, Thus shall ye say unto your master, Thus saith the Lord, Be not afraid of the words that thou hast heard, wherewith the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Behold, I will send a blast upon him, and he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. In this chapter, we find Judah under attack from the army of Assyria. This was a time of warfare, and it seemed like a tough road ahead. We find that Hezekiah was humbling himself because he was distressed. He rent his clothes and he put on sackcloth, But even more importantly, he went to the house of the Lord. In verse 3, Hezekiah said, This day is a day of trouble and of rebuke and of blasphemy, for the children are come to the birth, and there is not strength to bring forth. This is an important verse, because it shows that they knew that they weren't able to save themselves. They didn't have enough strength. They needed God to intervene on their behalf. The NSAB version translates this verse as, They said to him, Thus says Hezekiah, This day is a day of distress, rebuke, and rejection, for children have come to birth, and there is no strength to deliver. These were dark days in the land of Judah, and they needed deliverance. We too find ourselves living in very dark days, and it's important for us to see how Judah responded to those days, because like Judah, our response will make all the difference if we are to truly be delivered. Judah was blessed to have Hezekiah as their king, He stayed faithful to God throughout his entire reign and was a good king. This made a difference in how Judah collectively responded to their situation. How leaders act is more important than we realize. Their actions, whether good or bad, represent and reflect back on those whom they lead. The king or leader of any nation is the figurehead 
by which other nations perceive the people of that country. As Christians, we too are called to be leaders and representatives. We are called to be ambassadors for Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 and 20 tells us, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. We are each to represent God, and each of our churches are to be embassies of the kingdom of heaven. Hezekiah was both the natural and the spiritual leader of Judah at that time, and his response reflected back on the people of Judah. In the first verse, it says Hezekiah went into the house of the Lord. This showed that not only was his faith in the Lord, but that the nation's faith was in the Lord. The priority was in the right place. They put God first. Instead of giving up or fleeing in fear, Hezekiah and subsequently Judah stood their ground in faith and they put their trust in God. The last part of verse 4 says, Wherefore lift up thy prayer for the remnant that is left. We, the people of God, are the remnant in the land. We are the ones that God has chosen and set apart for himself. Because of this, we are the restraining force in the world. We are the light shining forth in a dark world, and we are the salt that God uses to preserve the world. Since this is the case, we need to pray for our fellow believers. We need to encourage them in the Lord and lift them up in the Lord. We are the 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. The remnant may be small in numbers, but we are great in strength because we have our God with us and our strength is best exercised and released through our prayers. This is why prayer is so crucial for the remnant. Verse 6 is the next verse that we need to look at. It says, And Isaiah said unto them, Thus shall ye say unto your master, Thus saith the Lord, Be not afraid of the words that thou hast heard, wherewith the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. This verse shows us a very crucial spiritual law. They were commanded not to fear because of the words that they heard. Romans 10.17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Whenever the word of God is heard, it always produces faith in that person's life. The opposite is also true. Whenever the words of the enemy are heard by people, they always produce fear in their lives. This is a spiritual law, and it works mechanically. It doesn't change. The Lord was telling the people of Judah not to listen to the words of their enemies, because if they did, they would become fearful, and they wouldn't have any strength left. We need to be careful who we listen to and what we allow to go deep down into our spirit. Words carry weight to them, and we should never underestimate the power of words or of their effects. We need to guard the words that we speak and guard what words we allow to go down into our spirit. In Matthew 12 and 36, Jesus said, But I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. The reason that this is the case is because of the power of words. Idle words still have power, and they still have an effect. This doesn't mean that we have to premeditate every word that we're ever going to speak, but it does mean that we don't carelessly speak things that are unprofitable and meaningless. When we speak, we have to say what we mean and mean what we say. We have a responsibility to wield the power of our words in the right way, in a way that will be a blessing to ourselves and to others, and most importantly, in a way that honors God. This is part of our stewardship. The same way that we're called to steward natural things, like our land or our homes and our work, we also need to steward the spiritual things in our life 
that we have the ability to control, such as words. The same way that we guard our spirit from the words of the enemy, meant to tear us down and to break us down, we also need to guard ourselves from fear. Fear is very misunderstood in today's world. Fear is not just an emotion or a feeling, it's a spirit. 2 Timothy 1 and 7 tells us, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. There are many things in this world that are spirits, or that are spiritual in nature, that Christians only perceive in a natural way. They allow it to go over their heads, either from ignorance or from a lack of discernment. Since this is the case, they don't know how to attack or to come against the spirits. And because there's no pushback or resistance, the spirits come in, and they take over, and they overrun and overwhelm the people's lives. We've seen countless examples of this in recent times. People listen to the words of the devil. They become fearful. And thinking it's just a temporary passing feeling, try to make themselves feel better using different types of pleasures and diversions. They're trying to fight a spiritual battle with natural means. Thinking they've gotten rid of fear, they've only just masked it, only for it to reappear stronger further down the line. While they mask their fear, fear goes into the person's spirit. It gains a foothold in their life and subtly begins to take over until it completely controls that person. This is why we must rebuke fear and cast it out of our lives. Fear has absolutely no right to be in our lives and it has no rightful place within our spirit. It is crucial that we understand fear and how it works so that we can properly combat and defeat it. Fear works like any other spirit. They all follow the same methodology in their work. First, they oppress, meaning that they weigh a heavy burden on a person's mind and heart. And after they're successful in that, they possess, meaning that they take control of a person's life and prevent them from living and conducting themselves as they normally would. This could have been the case for the people of Judah, but instead of allowing fear to take hold of themselves and their nation, they chose to put God first. Verse 7 says, Behold, I will send a blast upon him, and he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. In many other versions of the Bible, the word blast is translated spirit. The word blast is the Hebrew word ruach, meaning breath, wind, or spirit. This shows us that the Lord sent a spirit into the enemy's camp to lie to them and to deceive them and to lead them astray. This reminds us that we're dealing with spiritual warfare. Every day we're faced with new spiritual battles against the enemy. We have to remember that we're at war and we have to understand our enemy and know what his domain is. Ephesians 6 and 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We have to understand that spiritual warfare cannot be fought using natural means. We must do our warfare in the spirit. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. In Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in the 10th verse, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, 
and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. We need to take a closer look at the weapons of our spiritual warfare that our Lord has given to us. The first one is having your loins girt about with truth, your loins or your reproductive organs. Our mind, although not commonly referred to as such, is a reproductive organ because it produces thoughts and ideas and concepts. Having our loins girt about with truth means that we think and speak truthfully and that we think and speak about the truth, especially the word of God and Jesus, who is himself truth. John 14 and 6 says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Girding our loins with the truth also means that we spread the truth by telling it to others. Lies can never hold up against truth. The truth is very powerful because it exposes lies for what they are, which is why the enemy tries so hard to suppress it. We need to stand on the truth and stand up for truth. This is how we are to fight. The second piece of armor is the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate is over the heart. We have to know in our heart and in our spirit that we are righteous in the eyes of God. We also have to understand that our righteousness is not based on anything that we've done ourselves. It is purely based on what Jesus has done on our behalf. When we know that we are righteous and justified in the eyes of God and that no power in hell can ever change that, we can withstand the enemy when he tries to attack or call into question our righteousness. When the devil tries to tell you that you're unworthy or that you messed up too many times to still be righteous, we counteract those attacks by standing on the word of God and knowing that in God's eyes, we are righteous. The devil will try to attack us many times in this way during our spiritual battles, but we have to stand firm on the word of God. The third piece of armor is having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. This means that we are prepared to move with the Spirit and under His guidance and His direction. We have to be prepared to give and to spread the gospel. We have to go and we have to be where the Spirit wants us. The word preparation is the Greek word hediomasia, which means foundation, firm footing, preparation, and readiness. We have to be prepared and we have to be ready to give the gospel at all times. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Matthew 28 and 19 also tells us, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. We have to be ready and willing to follow the lead of the Spirit and to give the gospel when the opportunity arises. This causes the enemy to lose ground, and we have to have firm footing. We have to have our foundation built upon the rock, and we have to stand on the authority of the word of God. The fourth piece of armor is the shield of faith. With the shield, we can quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. This is because faith calls things that are not as though they were. When we claim the promises of God in faith, the enemy can never steal them from us. And the same holds true when it comes to spiritual warfare. If we claim the victory over the enemy in faith, Nothing and no one will be able to stop us. Our faith is the greatest force in the world. 
We must stay studying the word of God and hearing the word, because as we saw earlier, that's how faith is produced in our lives. We all have faith, but now we need to act on it and come against the enemy in his territory. It is our faith that will make us whole, and it is our faith that will bring us the victory. The fifth piece of armor is the helmet of salvation. We need to protect our minds. The devil uses many psychological tactics against us. The same way that we guard our hearts, we must also guard our minds. When we receive salvation, the Lord begins to renew our minds, so that our mind conforms to that of Christ. Romans 12 and 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Our mind is our ability to reason, and our intellect, and the enemy will try to use this ability that God has given us against us. The devil will try to reason us out of having faith, using faulty but subtle logic. The devil wants us to get so caught up in the logic and the reasoning of the natural realm that we begin to question the supernatural and the miraculous things that come with it. If the devil can wear out our minds to this point, it makes his work easier because we won't fight him in the spiritual realm if we're too busy questioning the existence and the authenticity of that realm. We have to not only protect our minds, but also we have to have our minds made up. This is how we will overcome. The sixth piece of armor is the sword of the spirit, the word of God. This is one of our greatest pieces of armor. The word of God is the ultimate authority. The devil knows that it's true. That's why he quotes it so frequently all throughout scripture. The same way that the devil tried to distort the word of God when he was tempting Jesus in the desert, he'll try to do the same thing to us. But like Jesus, when we know the word and when we stand firmly on it, the devil will not be able to withstand us. The word of God always has the final say. It's always the final authority. In order to properly wield the sword of the spirit, we need to study. We need to know and understand the word. And when we do, we will be able to discern and detect when the devil tries to distort it and twist it out of its original meaning. And by this, we will make his attacks unprofitable and unsuccessful. Many wouldn't include prayer as a part of the armor, but prayer is necessary and just as important as these other things. As we saw last week and at other times, prayer is vital to us and it produces effects for all of eternity. This is the same when it comes to spiritual warfare. We're all in the army of the Lord. This being the case, the Lord is the head of his army. There's no greater ability that we could have in our spiritual warfare than being able to speak directly one-on-one -on -one to the head of the army. This gives us a great advantage over the enemy. But just because we have this advantage doesn't mean that we will automatically win every battle. We still have a part to play. We have to put forth the effort and fight the good fight of faith and stand firm. Once we have applied and put on the armor of God, we need to, as we saw last week, resist the devil. And when we do, the word of God promises us that the devil will flee. James 4 and 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We need to claim this promise in faith for our spiritual warfare. Even when we find ourselves in the day of trouble and distress and rebuke and blasphemy, God has still provided us a way out. We, like Hezekiah, need to get to the house of God and put God first. And we then need to keep praying and lifting up our fellow believers. And then after we rebuke and cast out fear and put on the whole armor of God to resist and to fight the devil, 
Then God will do the same for us as he did for the land of Judah. He will deliver us from the hands of our enemies. If we stay faithful and keep resisting, when these evil days pass and come to an end, and they will, God will bring us into a season of revival and prosperity and blessings like we have never seen before. The best is yet to come. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day, Lord God, and we thank you for your word. And Lord, we make the choice today to put you first and to put you above all else in our lives and to keep you our main priority. And Lord, we pray for the remnant all around the world, the 7,000 who have not bowed their knee to Baal, for our brethren all across the world, Lord. We lift them up and encourage them in prayer right now, Lord God, that you meet every need of every believer, no matter where they are, no matter who they are, and that you bless them and protect them in this warfare that we're all enduring right now, and that you protect us during these evil days. And Lord, we rebuke and we cast out fear. It has no place in our lives. We want joy and peace and hope and all those things that you desire for us, and they cannot reside with fear. So we rebuke our fear. And Lord, we ask that you give us the wisdom and the strength to resist the devil and to keep on battling and fighting the spiritual warfare that we're in today. And where we know for you and we claim in faith that we will be victorious in our battling. And where we trust that with you, the best is yet to come. We give you all the honor, all the praise, and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to be victorious and overcome and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. Then you need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. If you've prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We also appreciate if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from. And if you follow and subscribe, so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all. And we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.